Hello, and welcome to the Attractive Christians podcast, where we make Christianity a little less repulsive and a little more attractive and beautiful. I'm Annie, one of the producers. This week, the guys bring you some fun facts about New Year's, and they discuss covenants and the sanctification process. As always, they have some great recs for you as well, so make sure to check those out. And don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, share the podcast with a friend, give us a five-star rating, and leave us a review wherever you like to listen, and reach out to us on all the socials. Let us know what you think about today's episode. I and we're back. Is that it? Are yeah, back? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> right when I hit record. That Welcome great. back to the Attractive Christians podcast. What's up, models? How's it going, attractives? My um, name is... My wow. Name, my, name, my name is... <laughs> <laughs> We have Krista in the studio with us. Krista's here. Krista's in the studio with us. My name's Ethan Renault. I'm Tucker Lamping. <laughs> and as always, shout out to our attractive producers, uh, Mark, Bretta, and Annie Adamson. That's hot. <laughs> okay, so we were going to have our very first female guest on today. I mean, not counting, of course, Krista and Jules, who chime in occasionally. Well, they're they're female companions here. But yeah, they're uh, what's the word? Skilled labor, <laughs> no, what's the, child what? laborers. <laughs> no, what? What's it? What's it? They're uh, part of the team. They're part of the team. They're not guests. They're part of the team. That's yeah, what I'm trying they're to on say. the team. They made um, the cut. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, Krista's here. Say hi. But we are going to have your wife on. Anna, Anna, my wife. Her last name is also Lamping, um, which is pretty shocking. Um, yeah, but that's Anna, my first wife. <laughs> Classic joke from Rob Payne. Uh, no, but but she got sick, so she's not she's here sick. today. I reached out to a couple other friends last minute to see if they could hop on and be guests, but nobody could. It's kind of a last minute thing, yeah. yeah. Anna let me know this morning that she was like feeling a little bit under the weather, and then unfortunately let me know like maybe an hour before I got home from work today that she was like having a fever and everything, which is a little bit unsettling cause she's pregnant, but that's okay. I think it's all going to be okay. She's, um, coming well, down from that. Well, she's pregnant, so you don't want to risk anything. You don't want to like push. Yeah. Right. Like anything. like anything at all. It's like, okay, this is kind of stressful. So she's at home watching sleeping beauty right now with my mom and, uh, I'll be back there soon enough with her doing the same thing. Yeah. Maybe, maybe snow white. When I get back. <laughs> Are you just going through all of the classic Disney princesses? <laughs> we'll just go through all the Disney princesses. <laughs> okay. Um, well, anyway, that's a very short doors open. I don't think I have anything else <laughs> to talk about. Really quick one, honestly. I know. Um, oh, you know what? I actually had something I wanted to double back on recently. I was thinking about this the other day because I think that oftentimes I was thinking about this because of the last time that we talked. Golly, what was it about? I, I guess I was with uh, Dave. You know, we we were we were hitting on some different things. Was it when you Facetimed with me the what other day? Facetime with you when I was at the coffee shop. No, I was actually just at a coffee shop doing my own thing when I was kind of coming to these realizations. Anyway, I think at times I wanted to clarify something here. I come off in the studio as somewhat sharp and aggressive. Would you agree? Oh no, I think I come off as sharp and aggressive. No, no. I come off. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I was. And thinking now we're about- <laughs> hugging. 
And oh, did we... you hear my tummy? <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> I just ate a full Philly cheesesteak in less than five minutes. I thought you so... farted. <laughs> no, that wasn't a fart. That was just in- internal. On the headphones, it sounded like an actual fart because I was hearing it because the audio picked it up. Because <laughs> you can't really hear anything if you don't have the or if you have the headset on. Oh, that's no. from the other microphone that I swallowed. <laughs> Okay, what were you thinking about at the copy shop? Well, I was thinking about it because I was listening to our last episode and I was like, you know what? I probably say things without warning for people that might like be a part of certain circles because I've pressed you on this stuff, not like you as in you come off in this way, but like the whole kind of charismatic movement or certain churches, things like that. And would you would you agree? Well, I just think that if you're sitting next to Dave, everyone sounds sharp and aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) He's just so gentle and calm. He's like a little lamb. (laughs) Like a sheep before the slaughter. A little Dave lamb waiting to be slaughtered. (laughs) Um, Little Dave. (laughs) Dave Marino. (laughs) Dude, his whole name sounds like a sheep could say it. Yeah. I mean, Dave... Dave William Marino. <laughs> okay, that's enough of that silly. Oh, that's amazing. Does he know that we kept the singing part in? No, I don't. I hope not. Wow. Okay. I put. That's why I had her put at the end and not the beginning. <laughs> Just in case you listened to the beginning, but not the whole thing. Well, no, here's the thing. So I think we, we've kind of clarified on these different pieces before. Maybe I'm a little bit more harsh on the matter. But I do tend, and you'll probably pick this up at times, to be fairly critical of maybe, I don't want to say like all charismatics or like certain charismatic movements, but a lot of leaders, certain leaders, certain movements, but, not but, that sounds like I'm kind of defending something. I don't think I'm trying to defend anything here. Just to add clarity to the, or context to the situation there, I want to throw this into the doors open because I think that there are a lot of movements out there that oftentimes stray from the purpose of the church. And I think it's oftentimes accepted as the function of the church, right? Like, oh, well, that's just how the church is supposed to be. You're supposed to look up to these leaders. You can't criticize these leaders. You can't, you know. What are you talking about specifically? um, I think for us, at least we've oftentimes gone after certain leaders to gather, maybe not gone after, that sounds terrible, (laughs) but we've we've both agreed at points that there are certain leaders, maybe Steve Furtick, you could probably group all the guys in there, Joel Osteen. We don't necessarily go after um, them because of their teaching. It's just what those two in particular, it's because they have they're drowning in money. They're like practically Wall True. Street. I mean, know, Joel Osteen, managers. I would I would go after for teaching. He he's not that great of a teacher. But um, well, I would with Stephen Furtick too. <laughs> yeah, actually, never mind. We'll go ahead. <laughs> so we don't agree with anything they the say. The interesting thing though is but, if you watch super old footage of Stephen Furtick preaching, he used to be really solid. But it's oh, one yeah, of those dude. things where like similar to, you know, it's similar to this is going to be the weirdest parallel maybe anyone's ever heard. <laughs> um, it's like Muhammad, you know, the founder of Islam. When yeah. he started off, all of his surahs, the the verses is what they're called in the Quran, were super peaceful, harmonious. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like they could have come from the Bible. They're very yeah. wise and peaceful. But as he gained power, 
they become more and more aggressive. So it's toward the later in the Quran that you see the kill the infidel. If they don't convert, then just like slice off their heads and rip open the women and that type of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the sim- I'm, <laughs> not that Stephen Furtick is telling you to go kill people, but <laughs> He's very with different. more power and money comes a a change in, I guess, maybe how you see yourself if you're not careful and yeah. how you teach and then how that how all you trickles teach down. For sure. Yeah. But anyway, I was going to clarify because I come after at times, some of the more charismatic movements, some of the more like trendy movements, maybe. I've done it to YWAM. If you're a YWAMer out there, I'm sorry. <laughs> or a YWAMer in here. Uh, if like you're me. a YWAMer out there, you're not a YWAMer anymore. <laughs> uh, well, there's a 10-year limit on there's YWAMage. There's a 10-year limit on YWAMage. <laughs> you were a YWAMer. You know, and then a, I got saved. You're a YWAM was word. <laughs> <laughs> They're YWAM ours. I'm a YWAM was. <laughs> um, no, but I, I was just going to like clarify to that extent that I think I oftentimes have a lot of skepticism towards certain movements that gain a lot of traction and from what I've experienced oftentimes bear, I don't, I don't want to say bad fruit, but kind of like strange fruit. Like <laughs> it's like when you pick up a, you know, like a, like a Clementine, but the top is perfect and the bottom side's a little moldy. Oh, <laughs> okay. That's a pretty good metaphor. Strange fruit. <laughs> Strange fruit. Like a ugly fruit. It's like the backside of your cucumbers rotted, but the front side isn't. So you cut off the one end and you eat the half that mm. isn't. Or like opening a banana. You never know what you're going to get inside. Yeah. It's like cutting out the brown parts, you know. Or sometimes the outside is entirely brown and you peel it and there's a perfectly good banana inside. <laughs> Granted, I recognize <laughs> that a lot of these movements have people that are very genuinely and actively invested in them. However, I would challenge you guys to consider, I don't want to say opening your minds, but maybe like looking into some of the origins and ways that your organization is functioning. I'm not trash and YWAM. I'm just saying a lot of churches and organizations like that. Well, um, they can get distracted get a I little think. bit. Uh, yeah. My dad calls it miracle hunting. Yeah. If that becomes your main focus as a Christian, then you've gotten sidetracked. Yeah. Anyway, I was, uh, I was, I was just listening through last week and was like, man, I was definitely kind of like, on a on an edgy moment, I was in a, I was in my edge lord mode. <laughs> nice. Anyway, well, so are you apologizing? Not apologizing, maybe adding clarity. Oh, uh, okay. But also maybe apologizing for like coming across as maybe brazen, but mm. maybe adding clarity to the reasons why. Yeah. Okay. At least if you listen to the last episode, you'd probably get it a little bit more. Anyway, moving forward into Rex. <laughs> run, 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 Rex. Okay, you go first. Um, recently, I've been showing Anna like good movies, you know. Um, Why don't you show her bad ones? Well, because I would prefer the good ones <laughs> myself. So <laughs> we've been watching uh, through just like different like good directors' movies. So recently, it's been drifting into the Coen Brothers. I'm trying to like introduce Coen Brothers movies. Anything from the Coen Brothers, I feel like they're is like just so good. Well, no, I'd say they're like sixty percent. Whoa. Easy Meaning there, 60% cowboy. of their movies are really good, and the other 40 are like, eh. Whoa. Which movies are bad? Uh, Hail Caesar. I thought that was okay, incredibly was boring. One. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing happened. There was no plot. Burn After Reading was like... Oh, that was actually pretty good. It was, like, it was good until Brad Pitt's <laughs> character died, and then it was boring. But the ending is interesting. 
I mean, should I spoil it? It's just like meaningless. So you realize that at the end of the day, everything is meaningless and all that we toil toward and labor for is meaningless. I feel like a lot of their movies are sort of like sitting in the abstractions of life. It's just nihilism. It's it's fairly nihilistic. Yeah. Yeah. It's like two hours of nihilism watching a Coen <laughs> Brothers movie, which isn't to say that they're bad for that reason. I love their movies. Like The Big Lebowski is probably, in my opinion, one of the greatest cinematic works in like all of human history. Okay. Well, that's a bit of an overstatement. You're forgetting about the uh, like uh, like 300 other movies. Yeah, true. That, that come I, before it. That but. I also put <laughs> that I also list. have in the same category. <laughs> oh my god. But um no. I, that's not even in the top one hundred for me. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I, I I probably wouldn't put it way too high, but it's it's good. <laughs> I it, I just love it. It's a great movie. But the that's not the wreck. The wreck is Fargo, which is one of their uh was that one of their earlier ones? No. Yeah. 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 That was Raising Arizona, Coen Brothers too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that was about the same time for the most part. Fargo was so good. Actually, the weird thing about Fargo, Anna hated this, and I actually kind of loved it, was at the beginning, they put in the, like, this is a based on a, this story is based on real events, right? Mm-hmm. But that's actually not true. Oh. There's not even, like, a real event for it. And they did it, and I guess William H. Macy had issues with the fact that they did it. Because he's like, this isn't based off a real story. And they were like, yeah, but it'll make people watch it. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah, he said their whole thing was like, if people see that it's based off a true story, they'll like continue watching to the end. But to see how it to see how it ends. And William H. Macy was like, but that's like so unethical. And they were like, but we're going to do it. I mean, yeah, that's a really interesting thing. Like that could spin off into a whole other conversation about fiction. And if you say that within a fictional two-hour movie and people take it literally. uh, You know who did the exact same thing was Dan Brown with The Da Vinci Code? Oh, yeah. He has a page and a half introduction about, look, I've I've researched this myself. I've been to many of the spaces that are described in detail in this book. Certain details have been changed, but the entire thing was made up. It's all made up. And that's why Christians were so triggered was because he said – he said that it was real, but then later after it got blew up and got so dramatic, he was like, no, nah, dude, it's novel. <laughs> he was like, I put oh that in gosh. there to make it feel more like real and official. It's funny how that works. Mm-hmm. I like the I like the way the Coen brothers did it. I thought it was pretty funny because afterwards when I realized it wasn't real, I was like, that's actually kind of funny. Like, interesting. It's interesting they put that in there. I don't remember that um, they put that in there. I never assumed it was real. You kind of forget that that's the that that's at the beginning. But it does kind of hook you because you're thinking through the movie. You're like, wow, that's crazy that this like actually happened. Yeah. So I'm looking at it now. So Fargo was 96. Okay. Raising Arizona, 87. So way before. Okay. Yeah. I love Raising Arizona. That's a good movie. My favorites from them are number one, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, yeah. That's a really good one. And then uh, Intolerable Cruelty, super good. The Lady Killers, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. No Country for Old Men. Very good. Super good. One of their other best. Mm-hmm. Born After Reading, medium good. True Grit, medium, forgettable. True Grit was kind of forgettable, the new one. Inside Lewin Davis. I didn't finish it because it was so boring. <laughs> Hail Caesar, terrible. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, super good. Very fun. I that one was that really fun. I yeah. like their kind of like realistic but also fictional environments. It's like very believable, but it's also kind of humorous and I don't know. I always loved it. Yeah. So that's that's your wreck. That's my wreck is Fargo. Go go watch Fargo, or I guess well, you could just say Coen Brothers movies in general, and the ones that we said were good in that list that Ethan read. L- watch those ones. <laughs> I only read out the ones I liked. 
I skipped over a bunch of them. Did FYI. you skip over Big Lebowski? Yeah. Dang. <laughs> Dude, but I should rewatch it. I there's literally it like while. nothing better than Sam Elliott's intro to that movie. Like they're just so well written. I okay, love full their disclosure. Scripts. Full disclosure. I haven't seen it since oh nine. Okay, so, so you <laughs> <laughs> you have to rewatch. Okay, it now. fine. I will. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're pretty good. I guess we should recommend that with a content warning. Yes, you know, uh, definitely content warning. These are like adult films. No, what does it, that sounds bad? <laughs> These <laughs> that sounds so bad. No, you got to. I'd like that, to recommend Annie. some adult film. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, no, don't cut that out. That's funny. Cut that out. That's so bad. No, no. These are like, films it's made films for, for adults. adults. <laughs> don't cut that out. <laughs> we know what you meant. Ooh, yikes. My rec is Pornhub.com. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, that got him. <laughs> Golly. With Fargo, it's an adult <laughs> film for violence, mainly. <laughs> it's not even that violent. Like the Well, I mean the, the wood chipper scene. It's pretty messed up. You see, like, a fake foot in the wood chipper. They don't even, like, show There's much. blood sprayed all over the snow. Yeah, but they, like, walked over with spray paint and, like, just sprayed the snow. It's so, like, not super. Behind the super. scenes. Yeah, yeah. They didn't actually the, put someone in a no, wood No, the really, the, really, the really gruesome part is when the guy, like, pulls the cop in, like, shoots him, and the blood, like, spurts out of his head. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, if you watch, like... I don't know. There's plenty of stuff that's way worse than yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, there are movies plenty of stuff that's that not. <laughs> they do fairly edgy movies. I we'll think the most disturbing way. scene that I remember from their movies was in Burn After Reading. Hmm. You remember the scene when he kills the guy with the axe? Yeah. Oh, it's just so realistic for <laughs> some reason. It's too realistic. Yeah. It's like, it's the, it crosses that line where you're like, ooh. Because it's like realistic in the sense of it could have been like, like it's not up close and gory, but it hmm. seems like you're watching like a news footage thing. Yeah. It's just like, Disturbing. It's weird. It's yeah. weird how they did that. But anyway, my rec is a lot different. <laughs> uh, my recommendation. The Bible. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be way worse. <laughs> what? There's way more blood and gore in the Bible. I thought you meant just like worse in general. I was like, wow. Oh, no, no, no. Interesting. No, just as in terms of content. Ethan reached his edgelord stage. <laughs> <laughs> no, if my uncle always says, if you don't watch R-rated movies, then you shouldn't read the Bible. That's fair. So kids, don't read your Bibles. No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> don't take that. Read uh, your Bibles. But with a word of caution, there's going to be some gore. Don't read Judges 19. <laughs> <laughs> All the kids go, ah, what's that? Okay, here's a, a, this is kind of a funny story that makes me look bad. When I was in fifth grade, I was a Sunday school teacher. Sorry, not fifth, When I was in college. Interesting. <laughs> when I was in college, I was a fifth grade Sunday school teacher and I could not get them to focus on what we were talking about and like, you know, studying the Bible. So I was like, okay, fine. We'll just do a crazy story. So I did Judges 19, the story in the Bible. This is from the Bible where they, they take this prostitute and chop her up into 12 pieces. <laughs> and, and I was like, this will make them interested in the Bible. And they, we read it and they just sat there like, like <laughs> scarred, like shocked, like <laughs> traumatized. And I was like, Okay, maybe there's another way to make kids in the Bible. <laughs> there was like, uh, it, I mean, the Jewish people don't let their kids read Song of Solomon until they're like 13. I wonder if they let them read Judges because of all the, you know, violence. Interesting, yeah. Well, 
Well, I don't know. <laughs> something to ask but, our Jewish friends. Yeah. So anyway, my wreck, going back to the wrecks, is a band that I discovered recently called Slow Joy. Oh. They're kind of like, who would I compare them to? They're kind of like punk. Tame and Paula, dude. No, 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 no. Ethan's like, dude, I really found this new band, bro. Tame and Paula. Have you heard of The Weeknd? You renaissance man. <laughs> they're, so their uh, they're two-word description, you know how, maybe you don't, artists have a two-word description on Spotify. Yeah. It's Chicano heavy. Hmm. So I guess it's a bunch of Hispanic people. and But it's not like heavy metal. It's like punk rock, but they're just good. Like the, their huh. sound kind of makes me like, oh yeah, it takes me back to like some club or bar or, or you know and you're just kind of like nodding to it and it's like cool and sick like it has a no- maybe <laughs> nostalgic heavy punk is what mm, i would call it i like that i like that <laughs> that's a thing that's fun yeah so there's songs you went to a bar once yeah uh, i didn't buy anything don't worry Ooh. uh crawl two and my other favorite is i don't hate you uh those two songs by slow joy so yeah they're just pretty good if you if you like interesting punk melodic, heavy-ish, nostalgic punk. <laughs> I like it. Then Slow Joy is my wreck. So, yeah. Well, I guess that's it for Rex. You got some headlines for us? I've got a fun one tonight. Headlines. Okay, guys. Happy New Year's. <laughs> New Year's, new meets. It sounded like, you were, like we were about to do our first ever podcast <laughs> ad. It's the new year, and that means that it's time for me to work on my mental health. This With is better a... help. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how the, all the ads start up. Nard like. VPN. <laughs> this is not a sponsored podcast yet. <laughs> I, I said yet. Nard. I know. <laughs> the Nard dog. Um, so <laughs> um, I thought it would actually be kind of fun because we just had New Year's. What did you guys do for New Year's? Uh, I was at a, a friend's party. Yeah, we had I like 11 New of us Day. just hanging out. I yeah. forgot about that. Um, I almost fun. invited myself to that. Um, <laughs> Krista, what did you do? Family party. Family party. Yeah. I, I went out for a little bit and then went home and hung out with, hung out with my pregnant wife. I was at this little function. Wait, you went out without her? You yeah. Left for her like, at a, home? like a couple hours. Yeah. She took a nap. Oh, you were she at the white, anyway. the white party people? White people, par- white party, white party people? <laughs> to clarify That's Ethan's what... point, there was a party where people wore all white. <laughs> the and, white party. <laughs> and we both went. The people from the white party. <laughs> <laughs> Republicans? Um, so we... That's uh, the red party. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, but they're all white. Anyway, so it was the same group, though. Yeah, yeah, same same group of people. They're not all white. <laughs> <laughs> did you wear all white at this party? Though? No, this is like, it was kind of funny because there were so many people there. I did not know. It was just a massive function and it, it was cool. It was cool to see Bigger a lot than of people the white I didn't party? know. Uh, no, it was, it was like a house function. Oh, okay. Yeah. People were like just showing up to this dude's place. I was torn. Um, I had two good invites that night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was it that one? Well, yours and the one I did go to. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> I bet they're, I mean, equally as fun. Honestly, New Year's New We Year's played sardines kind of for a while. See, that's fun. I would have enjoyed that. Yeah. But I was thinking about it. I was like, dude, what weird crap goes on on New Year's? So, <laughs> Ethan's tummy tum tum. <laughs> <laughs> that Philly, the Philly cheesesteak is... Uh, Ooh, is, uh, you know, giving beef. your tummy the Philly bake. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, me up that's inside. where the meat's at. So, <laughs> <laughs> did you know that over 50 tons of trash are left in Times Square after New Year's Eve? Wait, 50 tons? 50 tons. That's just not, that's just Times Square alone. Metric tons? Metric tons. <laughs> or imperial tons. I think metric tons. No, it's the U.S. We don't use metric tons. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that's about 3,000 pounds of confetti. Wait, no, because a ton is 2,000 pounds. So it'd be 2,000 pounds. Oh, yeah, sorry. 50. That, that is 3,000 pounds of confetti on the ground. But again, Wait, 50 tons of trash overall. Oh, oh. Just the confetti is 3,000 oh, pounds. Oh, so that's two. That's a lot of freaking confetti. Tons. Um, Betty, that's where, how, wh what he <laughs> imagine being the cleanup crew. I guess it's a good government job. Um, but yeah, probably have the biggest cleanup crew. <laughs> you got to, bro. If you have next day is going to be insane. Hang on. Let me just try to wrap my mind around this. How many tons is a car? Is the average car like a like quarter two? ton or two ton? One, one ton. Is it one ton? I don't know. One and a half tons is the average. Oh, okay. So like 40, I, I don't know, 30 cars worth of trash. Yeah, it's a lot of, that's a lot just in Times Square alone. Maybe if you put it into, <laughs> but I mean, 30 cars in Times Square is not that much. But worth of trash. Yeah. And trash is lighter than cars. So spread out. Okay. Well, when you look at it like that, I guess it's less crazy, but that's still a lot of trash. That's a lot of trash. I wouldn't want to pick that up. <laughs> and that's before they actually get rid of the confetti. Wait, what? That's when the people are there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what? I was trying to think about how to transition that into a joke. So in Denmark, it's good luck to break plates on New Year's Eve or to hear plates breaking. Hmm. Very interesting. It's a thing. It's a tradition to throw plates at the front door of the house. What? Yeah. Okay. So there were when I at the New Year's party I was at, a couple of the girls had this. I don't know where they heard it from. But they had heard of this tradition where you eat 12 frozen grapes at midnight <laughs> while sitting under a table. And then you will hopefully have romantic good luck that year and meet your spouse. Did you do it? No. Ethan's just, not going to anybody. I think, I, think <laughs> they the said, I think they said it was only for women. <laughs> it doesn't work if you're a dude. Oh, yeah, you're right. You got to eat 12 about hot grapes. That law of dude. science, you're right. Yeah. No, I don't know. It was so weird. But they were laughing so hard, they kept swallowing them and then like coughed it back up because they were laughing and then ate it again because they didn't want to lose the bad luck. <laughs> or lo lose the good luck, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah, give me all the bad luck. It, well, that's why I said, I was like, does this reverse it? <laughs> if you, <laughs> if if you cough it up. ABC grapes, already been chewed grapes. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> so, Do you have to skin them first? No, but we oh, just okay. we just watched. For some reason, they bought the biggest grapes they could find. They were like golf ball size. Why such big grapes? I don't know. They were like, let's find the biggest grapes we can. And then Rush eat 12 of them like during the, the midnight minute. You know, GMO like grapes. In 60 minutes. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, 60 seconds. Wow. And so they were stuffing them in, but laughing too hard. They didn't finish them all. In a oh, minute. no good luck for them. No marriage this year, ladies. I had never heard of that tradition before, but I, I don't think I've thing. ever heard of that. That's so weird. That's like any New Year's tradition. They're all weird. Plates yeah. at doors. Okay. 80% of New Year's resolutions are forgotten by February. Yeah, makes sense. That's probably the craziest one to me. It's oh, like, that one seems very. Everybody talks about New Year's resolutions and then it never happens. 
Well, it happens like the first two weeks. That's why the gym is going to be packed. Yeah. For two weeks. True. But then not. Like, do you remember your New Year's resolution from last year? I don't make resolutions. I'm just like, you know what? It's a clean slate. I'm just, just going like to start 1% fresh. 1% better every day, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Stay hard. Um, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> David Goggins, you know? Who's going to carry the boats? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember if I made one last year. Honestly, I usually don't because I because I tried back when I was like twelve and I was like, this doesn't work. So instead, I'm like, oh, you know what? It's a clean slate. I do think there is something nice to think about. Like, you know what? New Year's. It's a clean slate. You can like start fresh. It's day one. It's like anything where it's like day one. You're starting fresh. Yeah. But it's a little bit more important because it's like a holiday. You know. Like your first, that's kind of what we talked about in the last podcast. Like that idea of like the ruts of routine yeah. are better than like a big flashy thing. But yeah, like when you move into a new totally. apartment or a new house and like the first couple of days, you're like, all right, this time I'm going to keep this all clean. Going to always do my dishes, make my bed, all that stuff. That, okay, that's a weird thing. This is totally random. I never made my bed in my life. Wow. Until I bought my condo where I currently live. Really? Instantly just started making my bed every single day. And now there's not a day I don't make my bed. It just instantly happened. <laughs> just like. Weird. Just the like, responsibility like kicked in or something. Yeah. I was like, I own this place. It must always look nice. So that's <laughs> the first thing I, when I wake, get, wake up, that's the very first thing I do. You've always been organized though. You're not like an unorganized yeah. person. Yeah. But I never felt the ownership, I guess, of a place when yeah. I was just renting. But when I bought it, day one, just boom, I was like making my bed. <laughs> it just like it happened. That's totally <laughs> so fair. Weird. Yeah. It, that's a good way to do it, though. I mean, I think that that happens sometimes. Like the responsibility comes on and you're like, oh, you know what? I feel better about this. That's actually a good subject. We we can get into it. I, I'll, I'll come back around to, th- to this thought. But the next one I thought or I found here. Wait, come back to what thought? I'll, I'll come back to it. So Pope, <laughs> <laughs> Pope Gregory Thirteen is actually the one that uh, made the revised Julian calendar the standard, which marks January 1st as New Year's. And it took 350 years for the world, like the world to adopt it. The only country that didn't was Turkey, and they didn't adopt it until 1927. Wow. Wait, but what about Chinese New Year's? Because that's that's a thing. That's different, yeah, because they're on their own calendar. But, well, yeah, okay, this is something I know absolutely nothing about. But they have, like, Chinese New Year's, but they also do business with the rest of the world. So they must, like, have— They have to measure time somewhat. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, like, they have to, like, be aware of how we do— Or maybe that's more symbolic for them when they call it Chinese New Year. I don't know. I don't know. I think they're probably—because they're they're on the—I think they're on the calendar that we are on now. Because I think they're on that revised Julian calendar. But— they probably still embrace like, oh, yeah, we have a Chinese New Year, too, you know? Okay, hang it's on. It's like when I'm you have like your up. Chinese animal, right? The, yeah, the zodiac sign. Um, That's not the zodiac sign. The zodiac sign is different than the, than the animal. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so apparently they they follow the calendar the rest of the world does, but it's just a uh, – it celebrates the Chinese – Looney solar calendar and it's mm. usually in february or between january 21st to february 20th and that's more of a traditional holiday for chinese chinese people but it's their their year changes the same time everyone else's does from december 31st to january 1st okay well now i know 
That there was, you go. So this is why you listen to the Attractive Christians podcast. So <laughs> you learn, learn something new like every day. Well, the New Year's, it's just New Year's is so interesting, you know? So that brings me back to my thought. I was thinking about responsibility. And recently, it, I had a really cool, um, you know, thought where I think that um, I was actually interacting with a with a student and in a way where I was able to give them more responsibility in the youth group, Right. And I was thinking about that, like, you know what, I think that students and let's say even students that are like, you know, doing doing classic student things, you know, running around being crazy when they feel a sense of responsibility, they tend like younger people. And I I think I've felt this, too. You like naturally change, like you naturally develop and mature. There's like the pressure of the responsibility I, I don't, I'm one that would say like pressure and like stresses are going to grow you and develop you. So like the pressure of a role or like the pressure of responsibility is naturally going to push you into maturities that you were formerly not developed in. Yeah. Like you rise, you rise to the level of the responsibility you're given. Yeah. Hopefully. Right. Cause like, I mean, if I was young, when I was young and I had no sense of responsibility, I was like, screw it. I'm going to do whatever I want. Mm. Um, and as I got older and realized, you know what, I've got a reputation to keep. I've got certain responsibilities. I'm, you know, uh, when I was in high school, I was a student leader, like even just helping out as often as I was like gave me a sense of responsibility which naturally like grew me yeah. and pushed me to be better. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that lately. So when you said the, the making your bed thing, like you felt that sense of like responsibility that naturally changed your habits. Yeah. It was like ownership for yeah. me that like really changed it. It was like, this is my bed and my bedside stand and my room inside my own condo. <laughs> like it all must look good and, yeah. and be kept in order. Yeah. Well, it's like the kid that is driving his parents' car. He doesn't give a crap how he drives that car, but he buys his own car with his own money. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, no one's going to touch this car. You're not going to scratch this car. You're not going to eat food in this car. Yeah. We should see if we can get Jocko Willink on the podcast (laughs) to talk about extreme ownership. (laughs) That's actually a pretty good book. It is a good book. And I do appreciate some of the things he has to say. But only some. That guy could like mess me up with like one arm. <laughs> he could ask, mess me up with his jaw, just yeah, his jawline alone. He just... <laughs> big old ears, <laughs> his old cauliflowers. He goes <laughs> <laughs> that just... one one cauliflower ear just swallows you whole. <laughs> uh, no, so... we can't spit, say anything bad about Jocko. Oh, yeah, you're right. Just because what if he hears it, then what if he comes and hunts us down? (laughs) Now look at my second story window at night and just see his face there. (laughs) (laughs) You wake up and you just, Jocko's staring at you. Jocko, how are you hovering above, in front of my second story window? He just like opens your mouth up and starts pouring Jocko fuel down your throat. (laughs) He says, this is what you can do when you wake up at 3 (laughs) a.m. If you, were, if you were in the 3 a.m. club, you'd know. <laughs> is that what his thing is, 3 a.m. club? It's either 3 or 4. It might be 4 a.m. It might be a 4 a.m. guy. I know he's an early day guy, and well, he like is all about like working out at 4 a.m. Well, his Instagram, if you look at his Instagram, every other picture is a picture of his watch, and it's like 4.01 a.m., <laughs> 3.57 a.m. <laughs> that sounds like uh, inconsistency to me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, the funny I'm thing just is, messing. this is okay. This is we're we're going all over the place in this section. This is the last thing it I'll is, say. It is. But the funny thing is about him. I listened to an interview with him recently because uh, he's retired now, and he was like, "Yeah, I don't really have any reason to wake up that early anymore. I just still do." And I was like, "Okay, well, like, does it come a point when you're just being intense to be intense, and you're not actually accomplishing anything?" Well, it's your whole brand, you know. Like when your whole brand is, "Let's wake up yeah. early and crush." But and if you're waking up early, like and... before your nine to five, you're getting stuff done. You're hitting the gym before work, so you can hang out with your family after work. You know, like there's a mm-hmm. purpose to it. Yeah. But if you're like, "I'm waking up early. I'm just gonna sit around, and read the newspaper, and..." Drink my coffee. It's like, okay, why? You know, like, what? <laughs> why do you still do that? My I don't grandpa know. is that dude. Yeah. But he was just an old farmer dude. Uh, but the last thing, last big New Year's thing. Okay. So Janus, January, is named after Janus, the god that was celebrated during Saturnalia. Because mm. we were talking about this the you other mean week. Besides Saturn? Yeah. So the whole New Year's kiss was a Roman thing when they celebrated Saturnalia. Oh, interesting. Really interesting, huh? I know they were doing more than just kissing (laughs) from my studies of it, but (laughs) it was very debauched, we'll just say. (laughs) (laughs) Who's going to be my new year? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know and, what? <laughs> uh, they uh but the the whole like new year celebration for them was like Saturnalia celebrating January Janus. Ooh. Yeah, isn't that isn't that interesting how it kind of like lines up? Uh it's just weird. Anyway, that was the last like big fun fact I had. Not and really then moving into fact, February, we worship the god Febreze. <laughs> <laughs> when you're taking massive dumps. This podcast brought to you by Febreze. <laughs> this podcast brought like, to you by My Toilet, <laughs> where I take a massive dump every morning and use Febreze. <laughs> and then into March, worshiping the god of, I don't know. I mean, it was Mars, but I was trying to think of a funny joke. Anyways, okay. The only, <laughs> <laughs> the only moon lander I've got is my poop hitting the water. Anyway. <laughs> What? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, okay, let's move on to the meat section. You ready for the meat section? I'm ready to I'm ready for some new new year, new meat. Meat meat. Okay, so for this meat, okay, I'm going to try to make this as quick as possible. But I stumbled upon one of my new favorite Bible verses, hmm. hidden in plain sight, in oh. a story that everyone is super familiar with. No way. I mean, maybe you've heard this verse before. Do you have just, secret knowledge? Now I do. Yeah. Um, so wow. now I'm more saved than I was last time you heard from me. Wow. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, sitting with a with a with an enlightened one. With an enlightened one. <laughs> <laughs> JK LOL. Okay. So we're doing a series in the forum, the group I lead. Uh we're do- we're talking about the covenants. Mm. We're gonna start it this week. So I was like, you know, rehashing, going through all the covenants stuff. Mm. And I'm going to hit you with uh, the part I was going through again with a little bit of context and then build up to one of my new favorite verses, which is just super poetic and interesting. So the, it's super interesting. The word covenant in Hebrew is berit. And the word, the way that you would say it in Hebrew, you don't say let's make a covenant. You would say let's cut a covenant. Ooh. And so that's the word karat. And that's really easy to remember because it's like karat, like karate chop. 
We're cutting this covenant, okay? Mm-hmm. So, for example, in Genesis 15, you see Abraham or Abram at that point cutting animals in half and then laying the halves opposite each other, and then God passes through them, right? So there's this cutting and this passing through. And that's kind of how you mark, like, the seriousness of the the deal you're making with this person, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because think about if it. If I think you're going where I think you're going, it's really cool. Yeah, I don't know what you're thinking. but Does it have to do with Abraham? <laughs> no. Oh, you keep going then. I'll, um, I'll bring this up later. Yeah, I mean, the, the covenant's... Wait, we're going to talk for hours about them because they're so interesting. Not yeah. not at once, like over the weeks. But <laughs> we'll have one session, <laughs> ten hours straight. <laughs> Come to a seminar just on covenants. No bathroom breaks. No lunch breaks. <laughs> Fifteen hundred dollars a ticket. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so they cut through them and pass through them. And the way that the the place where you see this today, the most universally known covenant is marriage. You know, and it's interesting because. You know, Abram cut, cuts the animal in half, lays the halves opposite each other. And traditionally, if two people were making a covenant, they'd pass through it together and be like, we won't break this covenant. Here's the terms of this covenant. You declare them mm-hmm. like my cattle won't go on your land. Yours won't go on mine. And we'll, we won't attack each other. Blah, blah, blah. Right. And you seal it by passing through this bloody together. animal corpse. Yeah. Yeah. So in yeah. marriage. When you stand on stage, you're stating the vows of the covenant you're making. And then traditionally, you have half the family sitting on one side, half the family on the other side, and the husband and wife pass through the two halves of the family. Does the covenant happen when you cut the rug that evening? (laughs) No, I don't know if that's appropriate for this podcast. (laughs) Let's just say that's why it's called consummating the marriage. That's covenantal language, you know? Yeah. Okay. Um, But uh, so, yeah, so that's all covenantal stuff. Yeah. The crazy thing is like there's throughout throughout the Bible, actually the first week we're talking about the four human to human covenants, Mm -hmm. or there's probably more than four, but four of the major ones that are mentioned in the Bible, like David and Jonathan, Abraham Mm -hmm. and Abimelech. Abraham and his other servant, I forget his name, Joaquin or something. Okay. And then um, Joseph with one of his family members. But yeah. anyway, yeah. So, so in the story of Moses, right, this is so interesting. Moses mm. has probably the biggest covenantal stake in the Bible, right? Mm. He has several books just unpacking the terms and rules of this covenant, a.k.a. the law. Right. You keep these things and you remain in covenant with God. Mm -hmm. Okay, so before right before this covenant is made, what happens? God like they come to the Red Sea. And what does God do? Parts it. And what do they do? They pass through it on dry land. Mm -hmm. And so this like to us, we just read that. It's like, oh, yeah, they had to escape the Egyptians. Oh, they go across the river to them. They're thinking, oh. Wait, we know the story about Abraham passing through the bulls and the goats and the rams, right, um, which were cut in half. And they just know that in in their common traditional – the way that their culture worked, that's how you cut a deal. You cut a covenant. You pass through it together. So to them, they come to the Red Sea. It's parted. It's divided in half and they pass through it, right? And then, of course, the Egyptians come through it. And it crashes back down on the Egyptians and they get wiped away and obviously don't follow them into the promised land. So I had never caught that before until you become aware of this covenantal symbolism. And then you start to see it everywhere all throughout the Bible. 
And it's so, so interesting. So I was rereading Exodus 14. Oh, dude, yeah. Which is where that happens. Um, are you looking something up for I it? I am. I'm not that one, but this is going to follow up what you're saying, which it's along the same lines. Okay, cool. Let me pull this up real quick. Keep going. Keep going. No, you just... You bring that up now because mine actually has nothing to do with that. Okay. <laughs> that was so, all just, this is why I'm sharing all this stuff because I was re, re, refreshing my uh, covenantal knowledge. So I was reading back through Exodus. I had to find, I, I was trying to find the verse itself. I think it's in Genesis 15. Maybe. I might know it. It's the Abrahamic covenant. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing about that one, because that's like, right, considered Abraham the patriarch, right? He's, you know, the one that essentially made this covenant or considered so to be, uh, so to speak with that covenant, because you just touched on it a little bit, Abraham didn't even pass through. Mm-hmm. He gets put into a, a trance. He goes into a trance and the torch floats through. Right. And Abraham doesn't even pass through. It's God saying, I'm creating this covenant with you. This covenant is between you and me, and I'm the one that upholds this covenant. Mm-hmm. So he'd still expected the people of Israel to like uphold the covenant, right? But it's similar, quite similar to the fact that Christ creates this covenant with us without our doing or passing through. Yeah. Right. It's God essentially creating that covenant with us. Before we make that action, mm-hmm. I don't know. Just very interesting. I, I just love that. That's like yeah. one of my favorite things. In it's all called of like a unilateral the, covenant. Yeah. One way. Yeah. yeah. It's basically like nobody made God make this promise to Abraham. Yeah. In Genesis 12, three chapters earlier, he just comes to him and says, I will bless you and make your name great. You will have be a nation and yeah. anyone who blesses you, I'll bless those who curse you, I'll curse. And through you, the whole world will be blessed, you know? So... Like, for no reason, God shows up to this 85-year-old dude, and he's like, hey, going to bless you, and then shows up later, does this symbolic covenant walkthrough thing, and Abra- he's like, you sit off to the side. I'm going to make this to you. Like, I'm going to make this promise yeah. to you. <laughs> so, yeah. And then but, – but there are other factors. Like, for example, two chapters after that in Genesis 17 is where circumcision is – Right. Added in. It's like this is the sign or symbol of the covenant I've made with you. Right. If you want to be in this relationship with God, then you have to circumcise your males. And then, of course, you get to the Mosaic or Moses's covenant, and there's 613 laws they have to follow in order to remain in the covenant. Right. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, like I said, we could be here all day talking about this stuff. Yeah. But all that was to say, that's why I was rereading Exodus 14. <laughs> And that's that moment when Moses has led them out of Egypt. They come up to the Red Sea and the Egyptians are coming behind them. Uh-huh. And um, so I'll just read these couple verses. And they're just so – this one line just got me. I might get it tattooed on me. It's so poetic. So in verse, in verse 9, it says, The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi – Hahiroth, opposite <laughs> Baal Zephon. That's not the part. Why'd yet. you make it French? <laughs> anyway. Ze- how would you say it? Baal Zephon. Baal Zephon. Baal Zephon. There's no way to say that. I know, that's Baal so Zephon. funny. <laughs> As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. 
They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by, by bringing us out to Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And it goes on. Of course, you know, Moses ends up leading them across the sea and so on and yeah. so on. But the line that got me was, Were there no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? I was like, that is so poetic. Like, we could have died and been buried there. But, yeah, just, I don't know. I was reading. I was like, oh, just one of those poetic Bible verses that punched me. <laughs> and I'll let you give your reactions. Then I'll follow up with a couple of my thoughts, further thoughts on it. To that phrase or that sentence? Yeah, or if there's anything else that stood out to you. Yeah, I think that it really... It captures the human experience in that moment, right, where the people, and, and this is looking a little bit forward, the people completely disregard God's plan, God's greater plan and purpose for Israel, and they get through literally being saved, taken out of slavery, mm-hmm. like straight up, like lowest class of a society, yeah, taken out, God frees them, delivers them into the desert, which, you know, there's some time in the desert. And they're not even into and, the desert yet. Yeah. Like, like, they barely left Egypt. And they're like, oh, we want to go back. They're who asked, us, who asked you to save us? You know? Yeah. And I, it just makes me think like, dog, that is so similar to how our human reactions respond to Christ in like every way, I feel like. I don't know. And maybe this is me like over connecting or overlinking the two. But scripture is always making these connections, right? Like even, you know, trying to make that connection between Abraham and Christ and like type typological connections. Ty- yeah, yeah, about? yeah. Typological connections where, you know, it's like, OK, here's the covenant with Abraham. Here's the covenant with Christ. Mm-hmm. Here's the covenant with Moses. Here's the covenant with Christ. Here's the laws through Moses. Here's the laws through Christ. Mm-hmm. And. So I feel like whenever I read through these stories, I'm thinking, and I, I, I used to hate that I did this so much because I was going through a phase where I was like, no, I can't like foreshadow Christ. This is talking about people in a specific place in time. But I feel like so much of scripture foreshadows Christ more than we imagine it to where this reaction to me, I'm just thinking, man, like people are grumbling because they were brought out of death into life. And then they're like, well, what do we do now? Hmm. Like it's everything's now, now we're in a worse state. Well, because in that moment, the Egyptian army is like, they, they've got the, the Red Sea on one side, yeah. the army is crushing in from the other side and they're right here in the middle. Yeah. And they're like, oh great. Now we're just going to die in the desert instead of living as <laughs> slaves in Egypt. Yeah. But were there no graves in Egypt? And I think that that just reminds me of like this response that we often have to Christ, which is, like, oh, wow, you know, everything should be different. Everything should be grandiose and new and miraculous and crazy. And my life should be so much better now that I'm a Christian. Mm. But then it's like not. And the immediate response is just that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, were there no graves when I wasn't a Christian? I could just die when I wasn't a Christian and it would be the same. I could just yeah feel miserable when I wasn't a Christian. It would be the same. I could get the flu or break an ankle or, yeah, you know. 
It'd be interesting to look up how many times the Israelites complain in the Bible, <laughs> like to Moses particularly. Yeah. There's got to be dozens. Oh, yeah. And they always say things were better for us back in Egypt, which they weren't. No. <laughs> like you were slaves. <laughs> yeah. you, it clearly was not better for you. And yet they always want to go back to it because in your brain, anything is better than the current moment where I just want to complain about where I'm at. God is taking them out of slavery. They haven't arrived in the promised land yet, but God is taking them to somewhere better, but they're still saying it'd be better if we had died in Egypt as slaves. Yeah. Like why why didn't we just die? (laughs) Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah. Uh, But it's so commonly the response for humans. Mm-hmm. People always want what they think is better. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, so I guess the way that this would apply to us is to be, to recognize God is taking us from a place of death and slavery and moving us towards somewhere better. Even if it doesn't always feel like it in the moment, if it feels like the Egyptian army is rushing after you, closing in on you and everything is going bad and you're like, oh, it would have been better if I was still working at McDonald's because at least there... I don't know. I had a job. I had income. I had you lose you lose your job and you're like, ah, oh, things were so much better. Or or you know, anything. Literally anything. Were there no graves in Egypt? It's just so poetic. It just struck me. Like certain verses just like stab me in the heart and I'm like, oh, like, that's good. <laughs> you know? Mm, that's yeah. so good. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a th- a conversation I had with a student. Again, one of the students from the youth group, he's Are you actually, crying right now? No, I yawned. Um, <laughs> he uh, is actually listening to this probably right now. Is this it Paul? Friday. No, uh, Asher. Mm, what's up, kid. Asher? Asher, how you doing, bro? With the long hair? Bro, sh- short, semi-long, semi-long. Did it used to be long? long? I don't know. Oh. It's always kind of been the same. Maybe there's a different Asher. Anyway, Asher, if you're hearing this, shout out, bro. What's up, Asher? Um, he... Uh, he was talking to me about, I think he was, Asher, if I'm wrong, tell me, but we, <laughs> right uh, now, tell him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a brainwave. <laughs> Brain blast. <laughs> he uh, was talking to me or like asking me about sanctification things, or maybe I was started talking about sanctification. Yeah, no, he definitely brought it up. This seventh grade kid. <laughs> no, bro. He straight up does. Really? Yeah. It's wow. awesome. I That's love awesome. like the comments or like the, the questions. Nice. He'll just ask me like crazy abstract theological questions and I'll be like, dude, I love this. This is awesome. Yeah. I love those um, students. Yeah. Super More cool. than all the other students. And well, uh, I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was talking, maybe I don't remember what the question was that he asked me to be quite honest. Asher, I'm sorry. But I was talking about <laughs> sanctification in response to the question. And that's why I was thinking about this response because I think, you know, and, and I had this when I was young too. If I feel bad now, how am I growing in faith? How am I growing closer to God? How am I actually growing in Christ, in my Christian faith? And mm. the craziest thing about sanctification is that it does not always feel like you're growing. <laughs> As you're being sanctified, you're going to have points of like really high highs and really low lows right? You're still going to live the same life. Sanctification does not inherently mean, oh my gosh, I'm a Christian. I got saved. Everything's perfect now. Mm -hmm. Sanctification requires that you have like really good moments and really bad moments and just live life and grow in that. And it's this constant trajectory of sanctification 
but it doesn't always feel that way. Right. You know, it's like when you take off, you know, on a, on a plane, that first like five seconds, you're like, <laughs> you look over and the granny next to you is like, <laughs> and uh, then you get like, you know, maybe a little bit further off the ground and there's some turbulence and you're like hitting that turbulence and the granny is like, I hate turbulence. <laughs> uh, dude, uh, the lady's like gripping, like white knuckling the little table. One lady grabbed my arm one time. <laughs> dude, old ladies are so funny when you take <laughs> off. I love it. So then um, you get past like the turbulence. You hit like above the clouds and yeah. it's just super smooth, but you're still going up even then. Mm. So like you have the rocky points, you have the smooth points, you get up high. There's still some rocky points. Yeah, you but know? to be honest, in that metaphor, I don't think the Christian life is just once you get to here, you're just smooth sailing. Well, that's not what I'm trying to say. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that it's like all smooth sailing. That would be like glorification. <laughs> so when you hit that glorification I'll, point, well, I think it's just that that's when you probably transition to smooth sailing. Oh, like after you die, you mean? Yeah, yeah. That that that's glorification. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying the whole way, the this whole life is just the way up. The, the sanctification oh. process is constant, like ups and turbulence, and you come down and you go up. And, yeah, but it's always going up. Like you're constantly on this trajectory of hopefully. sanctification. Yeah, hopefully, as a Christian, naturally, we are on this process, right? Yeah, I mean, two thoughts on that. One, I've learned that getting older doesn't always mean that you're getting better. That that's actually a, an intentional act it's mm. like as a christian even it's like i could get older and just grumpier <laughs> how many yeah. grumpy old people are there you know even christians christians aren't aren't exempt from complaining and being grumpy or just sucking dude yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. honestly <laughs> like i i think i used to think that like oh by the time i'm 30 I'll, I won't struggle with this or this or this anymore and I'll be good. And it's like, but I'm not going to put any effort into actually changing those things. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you don't just get better automatically because you get older. Um, and then the second thing was the end goal of the Christian life is not happiness. Yeah. It's not, oh, I'm a Christian. Now, boom, I'm happy all the time. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> like that would be nice, but that's not the way it works. Yeah. I think that the reason I'm a Christian is because it's true. Yeah. I have found it to be true and the truest thing that I have found. And that doesn't – I'm not always happy about that, <laughs> you know? Uh, so – Dang. Yeah. What do you mean by that? I mean people are often looking for the thing that makes them feel the best. Mm -hmm. And I think that what people should be looking for is what's true oh, and no, no, what no. is real. What do you mean by you're not always – did you say I'm, happy not, I'm not always happy about that? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, being a Christian means that there are certain things that keep you accountable hmm. and you're a bit more responsible for your actions, for how you treat people. Oh, okay. like, I see where it would you're going. be nice yeah. to just be a hedonist. Oh, yeah. And yeah, just yeah. pursue my pleasure all the time. <laughs> I see where you're going now. I was but, like, wait a second. What do you actually mean about that? <laughs> <laughs> but because I believe Christianity is true, I can't live exactly how I want all the time. I see. Yeah. So it, it's, it's less of like a feel good lifestyle. Yeah. You can yeah. Just go and do whatever you want. And that kind of sucks sometimes because like, those yeah. are the times when you're suppressing, like actually making an effort and choosing not to right. do you certain actions. Battling and the flesh. You yeah. are, you are, you know, indwelt with the spirit. So you have like a different perspective and process the way that you handle that. Right. But hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. 
Well, you're definitely indwelt if you're a Christian. Yeah. No, I mean, ho- hopefully he's making me better, but sometimes it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> but he's always, I think, I think he's always making you better. Yeah. Even though it might not feel like that. <laughs> mm, yeah, true. Facts don't care about your feelings, dude. Or like my dad says, character builders. Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Or grace builders. True. He says them. My dad always says, like, whenever you're working for a mean boss or there's someone you live with who's annoying or something like that, he's like, oh, they're grace builders. <laughs> The ones who build your grace up because you got to <laughs> – without them, you wouldn't be as gracious. There would be no need for grace if there weren't people who demanded it of you. So Yeah. You know. It, it, there, would, there would be no need to actually act on your principles. Yeah. Your faith. Yeah. You just kind of become weak and anemic if you never had to practice the, yeah. hard, the hard parts of life. If there was no like reason for me to be fit – I would not be fit, you know? Yeah, or if there were no reason for you to be generous and selfless, then, yeah. like, yeah, I, I could easily live a whole life just for myself. Yeah. That'd be pretty easy. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's super easy, dude. I've done it during periods of my life. It's actually so easy. Just yeah. Just, like, spend all your money on you. It's great. I mean, I can still do that mostly <laughs> because I'm single, but... Well, that's not what I was talking about. Shout out attractive uh, Christians listening. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Just kidding. And I'm also single. And I'm also single. You know, that video is now over eight years old. Wow. Yeah, we, we, did the, we did the eight-year eight year anniversary. Oh, yeah. In a run siree. And of... In a shirtless run of siree. serve siree. <laughs> Anyways, um, any more thoughts on... There's no graves in Egypt. I think that's, you know, my biggest connection to it, uh, you know, that I that I make mentally like right out of the gate is the fact that to me it points to our human experience when it comes to God's covenants, yeah. right? And it was the same for the Egyptian or for the sorry, for the Israelites, Israelites escaping Egypt, um escaping the Egyptians is the same for, you know, the people of Israel like all throughout their history. Right. Disobeying God, getting taken captive or getting invaded, then getting freed again by God, Mm -hmm. then letting that go back to being captive or being taken over again. Yeah. The exile, the different exiles. Yeah. Exile, return, exile, return. And then all the way up to Christ where God's just like, this is the covenant. Like this is now the new covenant. Well, do you know what the Latin word for covenant is? Ooh. Testamento. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> How did I know that? <laughs> so when we talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament, we're literally saying Testament. the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, you know? Mm. And it's interesting that the Old 5 or 6, depending on how you divide them up, are all lumped into the Old Covenant. Mm-hmm. And then you have the New Covenant, which is just the one, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that's how that's how different and how, how how far above the others it is. How established, esteemed. Yeah, it's the whole new creation, baby. New humanity, new baby. creation, <laughs> new. Yeah, I think I think Jesus said that. <laughs> <laughs> this is the new creation, baby. He was the Drink new creation. Drink this new covenant in my blood, baby. <laughs> <laughs> he was the new creation, baby. At Christmas, <laughs> <laughs> little babe, helpless yeah. babe. Oops, wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Double pad. Okay. Two at once. <laughs> Anyways, that was good. 
Well, that was a fun meet. I love that topic. That's a really good topic. Yeah, I could talk about that for hours. Yeah, I could. You just too. go me like so many. Different... So excited, you know. <laughs> I just think you can't understand the Bible until you understand the covenants, because like, like it's higher than a contract or a deal or even laws. Like it's above all that stuff. It's and it's a relational thing. At the end of the day, it's how God interacts and makes promises to people and locks them in and says, "I won't break these," and then He doesn't. And then he builds on them and grows and until we get Jesus, God himself coming in the flesh and locking in the covenant with his own blood. Yeah. You know? Like what so, greater love is this than right. for a man to give his life for his brothers? I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, yeah. Is that it? For his that, friends, I For think. his friends. But yeah, yeah. For his friends. But yeah, exactly. That's just it. Like it, it's so far above all the other loves, mm-hmm. all the other actions or covenants or legal documents. Yeah. Yeah. Like the final covenant. <laughs> that sounds like a really cheesy Christian it's movie the from the nineties. Covenant, <laughs> <laughs> or like the left. Be- it's like the next Left Behind, the final covenant. <laughs> left Behind, the last covenant. <laughs> uh, yeah, Nick Cage in that uh, last final Left Behind was so funny, dude. I didn't see that. Obviously, it's so bad. <laughs> it's, they're so bad. And, and uh, we should top. We should hit the topic of like rapture and in times and stuff that'd be fun you mean um, you mean topics that aren't in the bible <laughs> yeah exactly well the 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 idea being well the word rapture is not in the bible yeah but i'm talking about like the whole concept ideology study of that stuff oh uh, eschatology eschatology that's the word i'm looking for well the whole rapture thing comes from first thessalonians 4 that's the only place in the bible where they get some reference to that yeah and there's a really easy explanation for it, but we won't get into that today. Not tonight. Next but, time. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. That was fun. Yeah. That was a good talk. Good talk. Hopefully. Good job, Krista. Thanks, Krista. <laughs> uh, anything you want to add on that meat section, Krista? No, <laughs> Okay. Krista's a vegetarian. She doesn't like meat. <laughs> I think... I was about to say something, but it would have sounded weird. Maybe, okay, <laughs> maybe we should change the name of the meat section just because we always end up making the weirdest jokes about it. <laughs> it's supposed to be about meat. Not milk. Not milk. Yeah, what don't you get, models? <laughs> <laughs> you models are out of your minds. <laughs> Uncontrollable. Oh, my gosh. Anyways, uh, this is the Attractive Christians podcast. I'm Ethan Renault. We're your Attractive Christians. That's Tucker Lamping. I'm Tucker Lampoon's <laughs> Christmas vacation. Send us a send <laughs> us a comment on Instagram. DM us. <laughs> and also, again, Ethan, do you have any stickers left to send out? I have a couple, yeah. I unfortunately Are you out? Am out. Wow. I lost a lot, I think. You cleaning lost the house. Them? Yeah, I had to find a bunch. Um, I sent them to you, uh, Annie. Stickers on the way. And some other people, right? Yeah. I, I definitely uh, sent out a lot of good stickers. I nice. did some good sticker handouts. And people cherished those stickers. Oh, yeah. The people I gave but yeah, cherished share, them. Share this, share this podcast with a friend if it was helpful or informative or entertaining for you. You can Gmail us at attractivechristians at gmail.com. Watch our TikToks. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter. No, we don't have a Twitter yet. No. Whoa. Yeah, I I already have too much social media ma- to maintain. I'll follow. I'll 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 get the Twitter going. We'll have a Twitter Wait, soon. What's Twitter? 
Oh yeah, X. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, definitely give us a five star review on Spotify and Apple Music. Oh, YouTube's the one that we're forgetting. and we do have a YouTube. It's getting there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, thanks, attractives. Thanks, Krista. Thanks, Annie, and thanks, Mark. And thank you for listening. We love you guys, and I- not just Krista, Annie, Mark, and. Uh, Yeah, you meant the audience, right? Yeah, the audience. We love you a lot. (laughs) (laughs) We love you a lot. (laughs) Have a good night. Okay, love you, bye. Bye.